Welcome to the Double Docs Podcast, a podcast devoted to exploring the md journey of UCLA Caltech med students. In this podcast, we share our views and discuss things we find interesting. These are not meant to be recommendations or medical advice. These are solely our opinions and experiences and not representative of those views expressed by any affiliate institution. We started this podcast in order to introduce people to MD-PhD programs, provide insight on how to apply, talk about what the journey looks like, and what your career options look like afterwards. Now listen, I'm going to say something. Don't interpret it as don't pay attention. But interview days often start off with like an orientation, a welcome from the directors. And if you just got your schedule or, you know, you got it the night before and you wanted to get rest and not spend time trolling on websites, like <laughs> it's a great time to look up who your interviewer is. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>, nice. <laughs> Especially if your name is like first in the alphabetical order list of like intros, you know, you've got time after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But kind of along those lines, I think another thing is when they ask you to fill out the list of people you want to interview with, be intentional with that list. Because sometimes if you just randomly find the first set of names on the website and you put that in and you end up interviewing with them, uh, you get caught off guard on what research they're actually doing and you come across as ingenuine. It's also um, important to really put that time into researching PIs beforehand, in part because... This helps you get a better understanding for the research environment, A, the research culture, B, and then, you know, your personal visualization of yourself there at that program, C. So without necessarily being on campus, and then hopefully if you do get in, you'll have a revisit opportunity, which you should absolutely go to if given that, that chance to meet with more faculty in person. But it's a great way to get that first snapshot. So I personally took the approach of trying to find people that, we're in the, an area that I was interested in, but for me, that's kind of big, right? Cancer and physiology and metabolism and proteomics, you know, things like that. But within that, um, push yourself a little bit, right? Find some older faculty, some younger faculty, um, people in different departments that you've heard things about or whose papers you've read in the past. And so then that can give you a, you know, a broader view of the place because again, as we've said a couple times, obviously you're still there to impress the ad comms and these interviewers and teach them about yourselves on these interviews, but it's also for you to learn more about the program specifically. You know, so I was definitely keeping tabs on the vibe that I felt, you know, how much I liked each program after an interview. I wasn't guaranteed a spot in that place, obviously, but then that kind of helped frame, you know, what were my favorites going into decision times. And who should I follow up with? Who should I be intentional about investing a lot of time and resources and getting to know? I think that's a, I think that's a very important uh, step. And I, I think I would almost recommend all applicants um, to do that bit of work, especially at the places you're really keen on. Um, because, you know, I think that shows commitment to a particular location as well. You know, now with interviews being virtual, you know, one of our directors was saying, you know, before when ha they had in-person interviews, programs would kind of use that as a sense of who would be willing to go to a particular school because, you know, the the it's harder to schedule in-person things and they oftentimes overlap. And so that was their way of assessing who was realistically going to come to a location. Um, and now with everything virtual, you can, you know, there's a lot more interviews and you know, people interview in, in more places. 
Um, but then you really do need to show that you can realistically see yourself at a particular school. Um, so getting a really good sense of the types of people or, or the PIs that you would potentially want to work with, I think is an important, really important step. And I think that's a way to show your, your investment, you know, particular to your interviewers. Um, I think, you know, whenever I got asked the question, like, why do you want to come to the school? Uh, a good amount of my response to that question was like talking about the research program and the potential PIs and projects that I would see myself getting involved in. Um, so I think that's a very important piece of prep to do. And get, sorry, one other thing to just mention along those lines, I think as much as I hated them um, because of how corny they were over Zoom, <laughs> it's actually important to go to the socials because it gives, gives you a good snapshot of the interactions among students within the program. I think that was really useful for me because there were certain programs where I noticed that warmth among students, just even though things were virtual via Zoom. And I think that was so incredibly, incredibly helpful as I was kind of gauging and seeing if I'm interested in the school, kind of trying to see what the culture is like, uh, even though things were remote. That's a, and that's a really important point in terms of picking ultimately, but then also thinking about what type of program you want to end up at, which is also a good talking point for interviews, is culture. I think a lot of people, you know, to be honest, if I told myself at the beginning of the cycle what my priorities were going to be like when it came down to the final decision, in many ways, those priorities and thus the list of schools was quite different from day one to day. I guess it's almost like a year-long process, right? And so culture is something that I really recommend applicants pay a lot of attention to big picture, right? You have heard, if you've been listening to this podcast or you know any MD-PhDs, how long of a road the MD-PhD timeline is. And you have to be like a whole person outside of your MD and your PhD degrees anyways. And you're going to be prone to burnout in a program so long and so challenging. So finding a place that has the culture that you want, which to each their own, right? I was looking for a place that um, was very supportive was in a place where we were doing excellent research, but still had this like balance and a pace of life that I really enjoyed. And then was ultimately too in a place that was super diverse and really fun and exciting. So taking all those things into consideration and then trying to tease those apart in your interview in a virtual setting as best as you can before that revisit is super key. So, you know, as you were saying, figuring out what the dynamic of the students are like, but even also your fellow interviewees. I saw and became friends with a lot of the same people over these interviews. And so then kind of at the end of the day too, you know, after reviews, we were all like texting each other, trying to convince each other to go to these same programs and whatnot. And it's a push and pull, but culture, right? I think it's a huge, huge deal and it should be a huge priority. And I just want to go back to something you said earlier, like choosing a mix of younger and older PIs is super important to getting a sense of the culture of a place. Particularly the older PIs can give you a sense of they love to talk. But if you just ask them, how has the program changed or how has the institution changed? It's, it really gives you an idea of the priorities of the school, the program, the people, um, and where they see themselves headed in the future, because you're gonna be there for quite a long time. And if communication has been a problem in the past and it's still a problem now, it's probably gonna be a problem eight years from now. And do you wanna to have to deal with that throughout your program or do you want an institution that's gonna 
support you, communicate with you, um, and really get you to the end of the program in one piece. And I think, you know, for me at least, it, it's, it's very interesting to say that. I, I think you can get a sense of that even like during the interview cycle and how the administration is in communicating with you. Um, there's one school that I decided not to go to and primarily because I felt that that, that communication was not there. I sent them uh, an email at the end uh, saying that I was not going to accept the admission. So essentially, I was like, I decided to go somewhere else, um, you know, and of course, it's like a very, uh, I was very grateful. And, you know, I, I made sure that I showed, I really appreciate all the time and effort that they had put in. Um, and then I got a response. I was like, congratulations and welcome to the program. <laughs> and I was like, did you read my email? <laughs> oh, no. I think, I think in summary, you can kind of tell through how you communicate with the administrators and how, like, you know, how sort of organized things are during the interview cycle, I think I feel like that gives you a taste of, of that program. You know, that's just one, one thing to be looking at. Uh, in line with the, the culture discussion that we had, I think directors are really important to pay attention to. I think the vast majority of MSTP directors are all great um, insofar as, at the very least, being really great physicians and or scientists. Um, but I think in terms of the specific vibe, right, you're not interfacing with the directors all day, every day. So it's not the make or break. But in terms of the leadership, that always says something, right? Who are they putting as um, the first faces that you see or points of contact, et cetera, to represent this program? And oftentimes, regardless of how involved they are, the ethos of the directors will still trickle down into the program as a whole. So, you know, don't go to a program because of the directors but pay attention to them. Try and get to know them. Most of them are also really personable, great people. They're also reading through your file. <laughs> and so it's important to get to know them and to try and learn about them and then to learn about the program through their eyes. Um, it's really good idea too to ask them specific questions about the program because as you know, Dimitri has mentioned, you're going to be there for a long time. And so the challenges that have been there will probably still exist, but you'll also see a lot of change. And they're generally the people that have to sign off on all of those fundamental structural changes. So asking them specific questions like, where do you see the program in five to 10 years? What's something you're specifically excited about? What do you think the biggest challenge for your MSTP is? Things like that. Um, and in that same vein too, I think asking questions to your other interviewers is also a very important point, not just to like check the box and show that, oh, you were invested and you did your research. But I think if you have these genuine questions first, people like to talk about themselves, right? But, but really, um, a lot of these interviewers will give you a good amount of honesty and a great amount of insight in response to those questions. Um, and it and it can open up a lot of really interesting lines of conversation. So, you know, you don't even necessarily have to reserve your questions for the last like 49 seconds of the interview when you've gotten on Zoom, like breakout rooms are closing. I think it is important to make it a bit of a two-way conversation and you'll learn a lot more that way. My dad always says an interview is uh, always two-way and that the more questions you ask and the more you seem engaged in the interview, um, not only in your interviewer, but also in the place you're interviewing at, the better it is for you. Because now the program, when they're debating your application, views you as like, oh, are we good enough for him or her or them? Um, not, are they good enough for us? Yeah. 
And I think it's also good, you know, to make a make a connection and use an opportunity just like talk about things you like, you know. I think the the schools where I had sort of the best communication or like I felt like I had the most fun talking to the directors or, you know, the the, the PIs or the students, I think those were the schools that I ultimately was like the most keen on and I could see myself going to. And I think UCLA, uh, just to plug, plug our program, I think was was probably one of my, if top, if not like top two or three um, interviews where I felt like I just enjoyed talking to people in the program. Um, our old director, Carlos, who was interviewed by, we talked about working on cars and Mustangs for, you know, I, I mean, I want to say like a solid 15, 20 minutes. I mean, which I, I thought was great, you know. Um, so I think, you know, get to know your directors and like, you know, don't feel pressured to like, you know, connect with them deeply or anything like that. But it is a chance to have fun and, and get to know um, who's been running the program. And I think, again, that's like a another like uh, avenue for you to sort of understand what a program is like. And just in that spirit, get some sleep before your interview. Don't stress the night before wondering, like, what are they going to ask? Am I good enough? Like, just chill out. Have fun during the interview. Take it seriously, but don't let it, like, rule your day, for example. I, I completely agree. And another thing is, if things go wrong, if there's technical difficulties, just move on. Yeah, for one of the schools that I got in, um, during the first interview, I was discussing um, why I wanted to pursue an MD-PhD. And right as I was about to give my response to that individual, um, after we've, we had kind of like a discussion on, oh, you know, you can, you can also do research as an MD only. So it was a pretty involved discussion. Right as I was going to give my response as to why I want to do an MD-PhD, my computer crashed. And I couldn't log back on for another like 10 minutes. <laughs> no. So by the time we came back on, we had five more minutes left for the interview. And I was like, oh, no, this is, it's over. Um, but I remember at that moment, I, you know, I talked to family and just it was really encouraging talking to them. And you know, I kept on going through the rest of the day. Thank God at the end of the day, um, things worked out okay, and I still got into that school. Uh, so, you know, technical difficulties happen. It's not the end of the day. I think at the, at the end of the day, it's important for you to enjoy that process, to be able to engage with the interviewers and, you know, um, be able to do your best, but also, you know, have fun. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a unique opportunity not many people get. On the topic of technical difficulties or just interview setup in general, do you guys have any tips for how to set up a good workspace or a good interview space for the virtual interview? Plug in, you plug in your computer, have a reliable computer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, place your computer charging. Um, maybe have like a sheet of paper or a notebook next to you. It always helps if, you, if they're like mentioning a paper and you write it down, you know, you look real smart. Even if you don't even care about that. <laughs> um, and the less intrusive your background, the better. It's not always possible. Um, but if you can spend some time finding a nice blank wall, neutral colors, or like a plain background that's just like a semi-empty room with a plant, great. You know, you don't want things going on behind you that are going to distract the interviewer, but you as, as well. I'd also say be comfortable, like make your setup comfortable. My, uh, you know, kind of dinky old rolling office chair by the end of interview season was not doing it. Um, so because zoom fatigue is already a thing. And so then on top of that, if your tailbone is starting to ache and you're getting all fidgety, it's just not as comfortable. These are long days. 
they're long, but they're fun. I'd say interview season was was highly enjoyable, though tiresome towards the end. Secondary app season kind of sucked, in my opinion. But the interviews, I felt, were a great reward. They were super enjoyable, really cool to get to know your future peers and potential um, mentors. But yeah, making that setup comfortable, I think, is really important. I will say... With the simple background, on occasion, if I was like feeling feisty for the day, I'd put like one, you know, talking piece in my background to see if anyone would like bring it up, you know, like either like a little like pink blow up flamingo that my little brother had gotten me or yeah, a poster or like a throw pillow I had with my favorite soccer team on it, you know, and, and we, you know, we got a couple conversations going because of that. So it's worth adding your personal touch, um, but still maintaining professionalism, comfort, tidiness, etc. Funny story about backgrounds. I had like a plain wall background for most of the interview season. And I think it was like right before the transition to fall in New York when the sun rays in the afternoon were like super long, shadows were accentuated. And like the shadow of my bed frame, like framed my head in such a way that the interviewer said, wow, you look like you're at church. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll say lighting is really important. Like you want to have good lighting, uh, not too bright, not too dark, right? Uh, <laughs> personally, I try to avoid shadows. I mean, maybe for that particular reason. Exactly, like neutral background, lighting, that's all really helpful. Good Wi-Fi connection is important too. Um, I can say this now because I'm done. I'm already in a program, but I actually interviewed out of a bathtub for the entire interview season. Which is funny because so I was re I was living in a room I was living in a house with like five other people right and so this this bathtub which is part of the master bedroom had the best lighting was very soundproofed and had a neutral wall and so you know other people were in meetings during the day I was like okay maybe I'm just gonna make this into an interview space but I I mean like throughout the interview cycle I would get comments like wow this is such a professional like this is such a great background <laughs> little did I know I was like sitting on a wooden board on like on like a stadium chair in the bathtub <laughs> but hey I mean you know I think I think that goes to show like you can really make things work and you know it doesn't have to be like a strict office space don't wear shoes just don't do it to yourself it's your place your space if you're not gonna wear shoes there usually don't put on shoes for the interview I definitely have a few mirror selfies of my like <laughs> suit top with sweat bottoms, you know. Oh, man. It got lower effort, especially on the bottom half of my body as the interview season went on. Just uh, don't don't have them ask you to stand up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> be good. The U Washington director asked us all to stand up, and he was in sweats, so it was oh, actually a kind of funny yeah, moment. Of <laughs> oh. We didn't have to stand up, but he said if you wanted to. So following interview season, what can students do as they wait? Because it can be very much anxiety-inducing, of course. Um, it's a challenging process. Um, but what can students do during that, that period of time? Yeah, you know, of course, the MD-PhD application process is a long, drawn-out, stressful process. There's a lot of, you know, it's kind of a game, right? There's a lot of luck involved. There's tons of applicants that are all super qualified and not that many programs. And so both in the lead up to getting in interview invitations and then in that waiting period, I think it's really important to remember to stay patient, uh, stay hopeful, and remember that, you know, 
your personal self-worth, identity, et cetera, those don't rely on these decisions. Um, and that it's a really complicated decision-making process. They've got to go through a lot of applications. I don't envy Adcom's job. Um, they're trying to take into account a lot of different variables in this pretty large applicant pool. So, you know, take it easy. It's a, it's a super long road. You just spent a lot of time filling out secondaries. Um, you spent a lot of time investing in these interviews. And so, yeah, be patient. Go for a walk every day. <laughs> get, get back, you know, be invested in your work, whatever you're doing, and, and also value the time that you have with the people um, where you're at right now in the case that you're moving soon and, and whatnot. So it, That's so important because, like, um, the entire cycle, as we mentioned, takes give or take about a year. And if all you're doing is worrying about applications or focusing only on applications, you can lose a big picture of why you're doing all of this. And you can you can really be burned out. I think that's so important of just enjoying where you're at. Um, because this is kind of your only free time before <laughs> before you get on this uh, journey of seven to eight years. The hamster wheel. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the nonstop work. I mean, I think it's such a wonderful opportunity to be able to spend time with your friends, family, community, um, especially if you're going to be moving elsewhere for the MD-PhD uh, you know, program. So I think it's such a good opportunity to be able to, to reflect, um, kind of know yourself before you start these programs. And at the end of the day, even if, you know, unfortunately things don't work out and you know, there isn't an admission offer uh, provided. You know, if you're passionate about pursuing an MDPH or just passionate about going into either medicine or research, you know, it will happen. I think the importance is determination and being, you know, consistent. And, you know, even if things don't work out, apply again. You know, look at your application. What things can you improve on? What things can you kind of show further enthusiasm in or um, advancement in? But at the end of the day, I think if you're passionate about this, regardless of how long the process takes, it'll work out. Um, yeah. So one small added bit, uh, as we've mentioned, it's already an anxiety ridden process. Did I fall prey to them? Yes. Should you go on the forums? No. Um, Reddit and student doctor network SDN are probably the most common ones where people will drop information on like when they submitted their apps, when they get interview invites, and then when they get the, you know, decisions, positive, negative, or otherwise. Um, it's not like super healthy. I think I think we all have to believe that <laughs> that this is like a holistic process and adcoms are doing their best to take into consideration the big picture, a lot of things, a lot of moving parts. So just trust the process. Um, and, you know, for myself, I know come like January 1, I was like, you know what? All right. New Year's resolution, not going on the forums. It's not happening. Right. Um, if I get in, I get in. If I don't, I don't. It's a long time. So refreshing that web page every morning is probably not the best thing for your mental health. I really like what you said about how the admissions results don't reflect who you are as a person or, or your worth as a person, right? And, you know, oftentimes everyone who gets interviewed is qualified for the spot. Um, and sometimes it's, it could just be a matter of fit, you know, whether they see you fitting well in a place or not, you know? You know, for me, for example, maybe I they didn't see me as someone who wanted to go to the East Coast, for example, or Chicago. That eh, makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I've been on West Coast all my life, so you know, you know, sometimes it might be something as simple as that. Um, so I think it's important not to stress too much about it. You know, lean on your support net, net your uh, lean on your support network, your friends and family, 
Um, if you have any hobbies that you like to do to relax, you know, um, stay in touch with those. And, and right now is the time for you to take a break. So, Failure is a, a real true part of this process. If you got in, if you got interviews from and got in everywhere that you applied, go off, you know. But I think the vast majority of us have experienced otherwise. And so it's important to keep that in perspective. Um, failure is a part of this career that we're choosing and it's a part of the application process and it's a good growing experience. I, I don't know about y'all, but I felt like I grew a tremendous amount as a result of, I guess the gap year, but also, you know, the, the interview and admissions process. I learned a lot about myself, priorities, future aspirations, et cetera. If you guys are listening in and think of any interesting questions that you would like to ask, please email us at doubledocspodcast at gmail.com or reach out over social media.